up next at 6. It's JR Morning with Guy Gordon, Jamie Edmonds, and Lloyd Jackson. This is First Thing with Mike Parsons and Renee Vitale. And everyone, be very, very careful out there on the roadways today. You heard it in Renee's traffic report just a second ago. The roads are sneaky bad out there. Yeah, it's crazy because you think it's just a small little puddle that you might be coming up on, and you're finding out it's deep standing water on the freeways. So, you know, we've got all that rain, all that snow that's melting, and, uh, yeah, hydroplaning, uh, a definite for many people today. Yeah, and people might not be on high alert because there there hasn't been any snow or ice in the past few days. But like you said, all this stuff is melting with this rain. I know my street, I was worried about flooding because it was this weird in-between stage where it was raining, but it didn't the ice wasn't completely melted so the the water didn't have great access to the sewer so just everyone be careful out yeah. there uh it's one of those gps to work days even though you know exactly what the route is uh your your normal route might be impassable yeah. so um especially if I you do. take 94 there's quite a bit of flooding this morning yeah 94 uh a lot of 94 is kind of below grade and and there's a lot of overpasses where where water pools so everyone be very very careful out there all right so quite a dramatic day first day of testimony in the jennifer crumbly manslaughter uh trial emotions were running high as jennifer crumbly began sobbing while watching video of her son's shooting for the first time and so did her defense attorney and that caused karen mcdonald the prosecutor to complain to the judge about trying to get sympathy saying the defense attorney was was sobbing the defense attorney said she wasn't sobbing but uh this was the first time that she had seen the video as well and that was horrific and that just kind of set the tone for the whole day didn't it renee yeah it really did and i'll be honest i i don't know about this defense attorney uh you know between that she just came off very unpolished i watched quite a bit of it yesterday Mm -hmm. um and she just really comes off unpolished unprepared she flustered very easy you know she came out with her her opening statements where she said she blasted taylor swift on the way to court and found the line from the song bad blood which summarized the case she said band-aids don't stop bullet holes and that's what this case is about the prosecution is attempting to put a band-aid on problems that can't be fixed with a band-aid I mean, if I'm the jury, if I'm a member of the jury, I'm looking at her sideways from that opening statement. What was she trying to accomplish with this? Well, and they said a jury member literally cocked their head sideways like what? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if she was trying to be relatable. I don't know if she was trying to go viral, but whatever it was. This is not it, sis. Yeah, no, no, absolutely not. Uh, She said that the prosecution has charged Jennifer Crumbly with involuntary manslaughter in an effort to make the community feel better, in an effort to make people feel like someone is being held responsible, and in an effort to send a message to gun owners. And none of these problems will be solved by charging Jennifer Crumbly with involuntary manslaughter. This is all her opening statement. Well... Yeah, I, I mean, it's not going to fix gun problems in our in our society, but it will send a message that uh, check in with your kids. Right. And if you have freaking weapons in the house, make sure they're locked up. Yeah. And they they turned on uh, Crumbly's husband quite quickly. Uh, you know, they they really put the oh, focus yeah. on him immediately that he was negligent, that he didn't lock up the gun properly. Um, oh, yeah. they, this- she really tried to make her this. uh 
perfect Smarter. mother as much as she right. could, which yeah. is difficult. Well, this fam- yeah, this family is going to do all they can to throw each other under the bus oh, to yeah. save their own butts. A couple of very compelling witnesses. There was uh, a teacher who was shot and a vice principal who ran into the shooter. And by the way, there's a rule in this trial that the defense attorney quote unquote broke a couple of times that you're not to use the shooter's name. You're supposed oh. to either call him the shooter or Jennifer's son. I and, counted and I even, at least five times just the bits that I watched. Oh wow. On the news they said at least two. So uh <laughs> oh, yeah, it sounds like it was worse than originally reported. But uh yeah, two very compelling witnesses, starting with the teacher who was shot I every time I hear her testimony, it's like a gut punch. I remember yeah. back during, I believe it was the Miller hearing where she testified as well. And she said that she was shot and she texted her husband. Um, I don't remember shooter. exactly. Yeah. I active love you. Shooter. Yeah. I mean, could you imagine being the husband getting that text and then turning on the news and just living in, in, in your own private hell until you hear from your wife? I, I, uh, I'm not going to lie. When I was watching that part and she made mention of that, I started uh, getting a little emotional myself. It was very difficult to watch. Yeah. I mean, how could you not? And then um, there's this assistant principal who ran into the shooter in the hallway. And she seems like a very warm, compassionate woman. And it sounds like her and the shooter had a uh, student-teacher relationship in the past and she did not know at the time the shooter was the shooter she thought he might have been hurt right right? she was asking if he was okay she thought something happened to him she said at no point at that moment did i think that he was the shooter it hadn't occurred to me she's then she saw tate one of the students that that Uh, passed on the ground and then she realized that's when it all clicked to her as to what what was happening oh my god i mean and could you imagine that moment and having that realization, number one, that you have one of your students injured who who ultimately passed away, and then to know that a you're face to face with the actual shooter, and b to realize that this this kid who, like I said, it sounds like they you know they had a, a good uh, student teacher relationship in the past. You know, this kid that you've you've known and you care about is is not only capable of doing this, but he is the one doing. He this. is doing it. Yeah. So, yeah, a testimony um, resumes this morning at 830, and I knew it was going to be a tough trial. Um, I didn't know it would become this intense this early, and they said it's going to last about two or three weeks. So, all right, well... Other there's we could honestly talk about this all show, but there's other things going on. So we'll get you caught up on that. The U.S. economy expanded three point three percent in the final quarter of twenty twenty three, according to the Commerce Department, which uh, which is slower than the four point nine percent from the previous quarter. Increases in the last half of the year were powered by increased consumer spending, fixed investments such as factory equipment spending and movement in the housing market. And we go from Oxford to East Lansing, the the, the site of a, another mass shooting, and the university is trying to do something to help people who've lived through that. Yeah, the Spartan Strong Fund has announced that it will now provide reimbursement for mental health services received by Michigan State University students, faculty, staff, and first responders impacted by the February 13th shooting. The Spartan Strong Fund has allocated $500,000 out of more than $2 million received from donors following the tragedy to provide the reimbursement of -of out-of-pocket expenses 
that are used to obtain mental health services. Applications are now open. Reimbursement requests will be accepted for three years from January 24th of 2024. MSU says that the universities also provided health care, tuition reimbursement, and access to Michigan's compensation program uh, for those that were impacted by the shooting. Um, it's here we are, you know, again, another shooting. And right. How, right. Do, how do we get past it? I guess you talking, help by doing things like this. I don't know. Yeah. And I mean, it's if you're the university, I'm sure it's the least you can do. But here we are talking about two shootings in our area. That in our happened. backyard. Yeah. In, very, very close together. And um, real quick, some good news and bad news for Boeing. Uh, Yeah, Wednesday, the FAA said that Boeing could start flying 737 MAX 9 again after a thorough inspection and maintenance process. Uh, That's a fleet that saw the door blow out on an Alaska Airlines flight midair before United Airlines found that there was some loose bolts. United and Alaska had to cancel thousands of flights. Now the FAA says that the airline's grounded jets can take off again as long as United and Alaska Airlines do their inspections. And then in the meantime, Boeing can't expand production for the MAX aircraft until the FAA gives it the green light. So still, the 737 MAX 9 isn't the only fleet in hot water. An older Boeing plane over the weekend saw its nose wheel fall off before takeoff. Yeah. And, you know, some people are saying that that's a maintenance issue, um, but still, uh, you know, whether that was whether that was Boeing's fault or not, uh, the skepticism from Boeing is well earned. I I, I tell you, I had a flight coming up and I looked, I was like, is it a Boeing I'm getting on? Well, and people. And these airlines, they're allowing people to look up what kind of plane they're flying on. Yeah. If they don't want to fly on the Max 9s, they can rebook their flight at no charge. And I believe those are um, those might get back up in the air as early as today. Yep. Um, but I think it's a good move to halt production on the new products because um, – they they just got a handle on these yeah. these these Max Nines. So they're probably this okay. over again. Reassess yeah. the blueprints. Let, let's literally make sure that all the nuts and bolts are are right. tightened. Right. I mean, you think of how simple that is. You know, it, the what nuts a and bolts. It's not some kind of um, complicated computer machinery. Yeah, it's nuts and bolts to keep something uh, to keep the airplane closed, pretty much. All right, got to take a quick break. First thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, WJR. Well, the postseason awards are starting to pour in, and the Lions are cleaning up already. Yeah, it's a good time to be in Detroit all around, especially if you are uh, one of the the people receiving the awards. They're they're the NFL, uh, excuse me, the AP NFL awards for the 2023 season. They're going to be presented at the NFL Honors in Vegas, which is three days before the Super Bowl. So what categories are the AP Coach of the Year? Dan Campbell, AP Assistant Coach of the Year, Ben Johnson, AP Offensive Rookie of the Year, Sam Laporta and Jameer Gibbs. And also Dan Campbell has been named the NFC Coach of the Year by select media members as part of the 101 awards. Those are awards that are selected each year by 101 members of the national media. They're widely recognized throughout the NFL too. So double honors there. Yeah. And I mean, the fact that you've got two rookies from the lions in the rookie of the year category, um, that I, I mean, that, that itself is an award for Brad Holmes, who, by the way, he won a uh, exec of the year from the writers. So, um, Man, you know, the Lions are are getting some recognition. I saw another graphic. There's this uh, social media company that has been compiling 
data and and hashtags and stuff to to see you know which state is is rooting for which team yeah and 37 of the 50 states are are rooting for the lions like maryland and washington dc obviously they're rooting for the ravens california and a few states out west for the 49ers um and then there's a few states like around kansas and missouri rooting for the uh, uh the chiefs but everyone else it's honolulu blue even ohio even ohio is rooting for the lions which i would have thought they'd be rooting for someone else just to kind of poke our eye yeah and, and you know even the uh band metallica is rooting yeah. for us did you see that yeah i saw yeah i guess dan campbell is a huge metallica fan and he uses quotes and, yeah. and their music to pump the guys up i guess back in december james hetfield did a a, a video um, telling telling the Lions to take a bye week so that Dan Campbell can come see him at Ford Field. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. The, and but, the Lions yesterday posted a photo of Aiden Hutchinson with the caption, "The soothing uh, the soothing light at the end of your tunnel was just a freight train coming your way." That's lyrics from "No Leaf Clover" by Metallica. So in the comments, the band responded, "In Dan, we trust." Hashtag One Proud, Rowan Pride. I I hope. Uh, I hope Dan Campbell and, and James Hetfield can like hang out after the season or Could something. Could you imagine having a beer with the both of them? Oh my gosh. That's like a dream come true. I feel like there's a lot of calling each other brother back and forth. <laughs> I don't know why. I get to see the word brother being thrown Absolutely. around. Absolutely. So that's really cool, man. You're amazing, I mean, brother. No, you brother. <laughs> hey brother, I respect what you're doing, brother. Hey Wait, man. Is Hulk Hogan at this meeting? Know, uh, right. This sounds like Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Uh, you know what? It's it, it, here's the thing. All right, Dan Campbell is a phenomenon. Dan Campbell is the new template for masculinity. He's this big, strong, intense dude who's not afraid to show his emotion and tell his guys he loves them. So insanely did, hot. Did you guys see the meme? It's Dan Campbell walking up to the, probably the back door of the practice facility, ripped like he's ripped. He's got a t-shirt on, and it says, "When Dan Campbell comes in the room, Chuck Norris leaves." Yes, I did yes. see that one. Yeah, I love but you it. know what? I bet you there'd be a lot of mad respect in calling each other brother if him and Chuck Norris ever met. Yep. It's a win, man. Yes, and we got more to go. Oh gosh, that was Dan Campbell sitting at his phone, seeing that James Hetfield r- replied to him right there. <laughs> right. Yeah, what a fun team. Oh man. yeah. I mean, no matter what happens Saturday, and I hope the ride continues. But God, what a fu- what what a fun team. It's been a fun and, ride, no matter what. Yeah, and and I mean, when Dan Campbell first came in here, he's talking about biting kneecaps. We were such a snake bit franchise. We lived through Rod Mill and Marinelli and Quintricia yeah. and all that stuff. And he lost. He he started o eleven and one or o ten and one or something like that. And then uh, last season um, started one and six, and it didn't look like things were gonna work out and I remember thinking well you know I still like Dan Campbell even if he doesn't work out as a coach I think he'd be great broadcasting and then it turned it turned around and and that's our guy and every football fan in America well except for maybe you know like Kansas City or, or or some of these other teams that have had long runs but they're looking at our guy saying I wish that was our coach right yeah so I want him as a life coach <laughs> <laughs> right exactly I, I I mean, I, I think he should do like cameos or he should do like uh, life coaching sessions in the off season. I'd pay for it. Dan, get my life together. <laughs> right. All right, brother.
Right. Um, so Netflix is is raising its prices again, Renee. Yeah, this is crazy. Another price increase could be coming to subscribers in its quarterly letter to shareholders this week. The streaming platform hinted at the potential for su- subscriber price hikes. The letter reads in part, over the last few years, we've increased sophistication on our pricing and plan strategy so that we can offer more effectively capture the value uh, created by our service. We seek to provide a range of prices and plans to meet a wide range of needs, including highly competitive starting prices. And the letter continued, as we invest in and improve in Netflix, we occasionally ask our members to pay a little extra to reflect those improvements, which in turn helps drive the positive flywheel. Yeah, exactly. You're raising my prices is what that says. Look, these businesses, they're the same as drug dealers, right? They give it to you for free at first or they, they give it to you at a discounted rate. To get you hooked up. First one's free, man. Yeah. And then you get hooked on their product and they jack the prices up. It's the exact same business model. Yep. Yeah. And they just had an increase in October. Right. So what are we doing? The cost for premium plans increased by $3 and the other one went up $2, which new members can't even buy the basic plan. That's gone. Wow. You're grandfathered in if you have that. Well, how benevolent of them to, to their longtime customers. Well, here's the thing. They just spent all that money on this WWE deal, and just a few days after that, these heinous, heinous accusations against Vince McMahon. Um, Jason, he is—he's no longer head of the WWE, but he no, he's he's, uh, he's still the chairman of the board, so okay. he, he is still uh, got a high position there. Yeah, and we're we're gonna we're gonna be watching this over the weekend to see what else um, develops, but. There's this, these accusations levied at him against a former, uh, by a former, I'm sorry, by a former employee. And I think it was last year, the year before, there was word that came out that he paid a number of women a lot of money to keep keep uh, affairs quiet. But, but this is much worse. Um, first of all, uh, this woman, he tried to pay her $3 million to keep this quiet. She only, she only got paid $1 million, so she's trying to break the non-disclosure agreement. And number one... Her first accusation is that she was hired in at the WWE in exchange for a physical relationship with Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon essentially trafficked this woman, according to her, and pimped her out to other, more of his rich friends. Um, he tried to pimp her out to some con- some wrestler that he was trying to um, sign to the WWE there's other really dis- disgusting allegations that she said that that Vince McMahon did to her. But uh, essentially, he told her that he owns her. He decides who's who she's going to bleep and, and who not. And he would not only assault her personally, but he would he would he would call a group of his other friends to come by Jeez, and assault oh, her while everyone sat around to watch according Ugh. to these. So just at. If these are true, this guy is an absolute monster. What a um, disgusting. There, there's one There's one part in the document that says he had gone and started showing pictures and text messages to the tech crew. Gross. And saying stuff like, you know, this, you know, getting detailed. And I'm like, that's just, that's disgusting if it's true. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. He had so much power in that organization that he was able to do any evil that he wanted. Right. In her accusations, she said there's one instance where she was being physically assaulted. 
on, on a desk in the middle of an uh, of a busy office space. And so you think of human trafficking, you think of, you know, back alleys, you think of of burnt out buildings. You don't think of a high rise in the corporate headquarters of, right. of one of the most well-known sports entertainment brands. And, you know, and your job the, being held over your head. Right. And, and, and you're you're a prisoner. You you are essentially a prisoner. So um, whoever this wrestler is who Vince McMahon tried to pimp her out to, um, they need to find out who that is. That person needs to be let go at the very least and prosecuted. Probably everyone else who knew about this, whether, you know, Stephanie McMahon, Triple H, a.k.a. Paul Levesque, who has taken over the company, who's married to Stephanie McMahon, Vince's daughter. They need to be investigated. And if I'm what's the what's the new company that uh, that that owns the WWE now, Jason? Uh, TKO. So it's a company of the UFC. The T, uh, TKO needs to come out and say um, these are terrible accusations. Yeah. Vince McMahon is no longer associated with the company. I can't believe um, there hasn't been a statement from them, period. Right, because this weekend they have their big Royal Rumble event, and they mm. do they do press scrums afterwards. So you know that's going to be brought up, and you know no one's going to be able to say anything. Right. Get in front so of it, it should be addressed very early, or before yeah. that. Uh, TKO needs to say that we are going to be firing Vince McMahon out of a cannon into a jail cell, and we are going to do a deep, thorough investigation on who knew about this. And those people will be let go at the very least and prosecuted at the most severe. Just uh, terrible, terrible accusations. Yeah. And and look, here's the thing. Obviously, those of us who grew up watching wrestling, Vince McMahon was like the villain. But but you always had kind of this feeling that, you know, that that, you know, a lot of this wrestling uh, stuff is is show business and, and behind the scenes he's not like this according to this accusation he is 10 times worse right. than his villainous persona that we grew up watching on uh, on the wwe and the worst is it's it, this happened in 2019 so he's already well into his 70s Ugh. right you know. gross right. i feel like i need a shower after hearing all this Ugh. yeah absolutely disgusting Ick. all right well the uh I guess this is probably the most interesting development in this primary season, which has been a runaway for Donald Trump. Billionaire Reed Hoffman, he's the co-founder of LinkedIn. He's the first wealthy donor to stop giving money to Nikki Haley's campaign after losing to Donald Trump in both Iowa and New Hampshire. Reed is actually, he's a Biden supporter, but he's been donating to Haley's campaign because he thought that she had the best shot to beat Trump in the primary. Now, this comes after Donald Trump wrote on True Social that anyone who makes a contribution to the Haley camp uh, would, from this moment forward, be permanently banned from the MAGA camp, whatever that means. But I don't think this applies to Reed Hoffman. I don't think he was scared off by Donald Trump's threat because he's a Biden supporter. Right. Uh, so he doesn't want to he probably doesn't want anything to do with MAGA camp anyway. He probably just figures the primary's over and he's going to save his money probably to put behind Biden or whoever the Democrats put out um, for the general election. And then Haley and her campaign, they responded by raising money off of those words. In a post on X, she put Haley, she linked her website where donors can donate $5 to get a T-shirt that reads barred permanently. Right, which is clever, but and and it kind of backfired from a, a fundraising perspective. But I mean, but I mean, this thing's over, which which is kind of weird. 
that Donald Trump would kind of go nuclear here because it's not like she's threatening him in the polls. So I don't know if it's an ego thing or what, but I mean, literally all Donald Trump has to do is wait until after South Carolina and her her campaign will be over anyway. And it doesn't matter who's donating to her. Yeah, exactly. I, I I mean, why why keep spending the money? It's obvious. The writing's on the right. wall. As that guy, yeah. as Reed Hoffman said, no one to fold them. No, whatever the Kenny Rogers reference is. <laughs> right, the gambler. <laughs> yeah, the gambler. All right. Uh, you would kill it at karaoke, by the way. <laughs> nope. <laughs> First thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, WJR. And Guy Lloyd and Jamie joining us in studio heading into JR Morning. And, uh, I mean, I, I think we all knew that we were in for quite an emotional trial, um, Jennifer Crumbly's manslaughter trial in connection with the Oxford High School shooting. But I think yesterday surpassed even our wildest expectations. Uh, yeah, it, it did. And uh, we will have more on that. We're going to be talking about that uh, in the um, top of the hour and as well as Marie Osborne joining us around 749 to kind of go more in depth. But you knew that was going to be, uh, you know, very emotional and it's going yeah. to continue uh, to be and it's being watched by everyone across the country because this will mean you know this will mean something uh parents depending on how this goes you know more and more parents uh may get charged for the things their children do especially in you know these school shootings yeah and and everyone's saying that this is going to set a precedent because it's it's the first time that a parent is being charged in a school shooting yeah and mm-hmm. um I mean, when you've got even the defense attorney tearing up, I, you know, I don't know if that if if that's common. Um, I know that prosecutor uh, Karen McDonald took issue with it with the judge, but the judge kind of let it go a little bit because she, you know, it was the first time they saw it, and it was obviously a terrible video, yeah, but. Yeah. I, uh, it, it definitely seemed like a breach of courtroom decorum. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you you have to listen. The truth has to come out. You 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 have to. You know, if you're going to present your case, you you have to you know present those things. And sometimes, uh, you know, uh, it, it can be kind of graphic, kind of you know. But you, mm-hmm. you have to do it. It's the truth will set you free. Is that what they say? But maybe not in this case. No, not in this case. Yeah. Well, you're talking, you know, Lloyd, you bring up the point that everyone's going to be watching it. And of course, it's it's being picked up by the national media. And I know that here locally, we've we've all made the same agreement that they made in court to not say the shooter's name. But obviously, this is the first time that a lot of people in the national news audience, um, you know, have heard about this case since it happened. So. Um, you know, just as a matter of informing the public and public record, they are using the shooter's name in the national news reports, which which I understand is necessary, but it's a little jarring after all this time of him being um, he, he who will not be named. Well, and the, the defense attorney, Shannon Smith, she couldn't even follow that rule. I watched quite a bit of it yesterday. She kept saying his name over and over. It's like, what are you doing? I think it's just unprecedented and people are sort of wading through this new world and um it's tough. It's tough. It was very difficult yes. to watch. Yeah. So like Lloyd said, they're going to be getting into this uh, a lot more throughout the show. And uh, as I'm sure all the other shows will be throughout the day. JR Morning coming up. See you Monday. Go. Jake Moody grew up in a family of lifelong Lions fans. He went to kick at the University of Michigan and he's now facing his hometown team. 
as a member of the San Francisco 49ers as their place kicker on Sunday for the <laughs> NFC title. So what do you do? What team does this family root for? Jake's mom, Lisa, joins All Talk with Tom Jordan and Kevin Dietz. Kind of a uh, unique situation uh, faced by the parents of Jake Moody, uh, former Michigan Wolverines kicker. We know him from the Wolverine from uh, U of M. Uh, But uh, he's now playing for the San Francisco 49ers. And, Kevin, I imagine they're grappling with these kind of divided loyalties during the NFC Championship game, which comes up on on Sunday. And I, I imagine if you're in that situation, you got to go with family, right? You want to support your kid until the end. No, you don't. No? You go for the Lions. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. Jake Moody. What What a what a kicker, man. This guy just doesn't miss. I, I don't know that I ever saw him miss at Michigan. Um, and uh, in the pros, I know that uh, uh, he's the, the, the first per, the first people uh, t- first kicker taken in fantasy uh, football because he, he he just doesn't miss from anywhere on the field. He's incredible. And we're fortunate enough to talk with Lisa Moody, his, his mom right now, uh, uh, who joins us. Good morning. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. I love um, finding players in the pros that came from Michigan or Michigan State and following them. It makes me enjoy games where I, I, I'm not necessarily a part of the fan base. Uh, so I, I, I've really enjoyed uh, watching San Francisco this year and watching Jake and, and, and his success. Uh, now he comes uh, to play against the Lions, uh, and, and you guys have pretty much been Lions fans growing up here in Metro Detroit. Yes, my husband especially. Um, I moved to Michigan um, in high school, so I became a Lions fan as an adult, more because of my husband. He has been a fan since he was little. His his dad used to take him to the Lions training camps in the 70s, and you know, there's all these pictures with him you know, and, and, and a bunch of Lions players. And so he's been waiting for this his whole life. And at the beginning of the season, he said, you know what's going to happen. It's going to end up the Lions <laughs> playing um, San Francisco to go to the Super Bowl, and I can't even believe this. And then it happened. So, you know, it's, it's really hard for him, but of course, He's he's rooting for his son's team, and um, as am I. As it should be, as it should be. I yeah. don't, I yeah. don't blame. I'm not going to blame you guys for rooting for your son's <laughs> team. But this is what I really want to know: Do you want it to come down to a last second kick where Jake is on the field with three seconds left and he's kicking uh, for the win or the loss, or would you rather San Francisco just wins by three touchdowns? Oh, I would like San Francisco to win by three touchdowns because I'm not sure if either of our hearts could take a last-second field goal um, to go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> no, that's uh, that's heart attack-inducing, I would imagine. Yeah. So yeah. Y- your husband, Chad, right, he, he mm-hmm. keeps memorabilia both the Lions and his, and his son's achievements in, in the home office is what I'm reading mm-hmm. about. Um, yeah. Does he struggle? Uh, and, and I know you kind of inferred that he implied that he did. He, he kind of it's like a self-fulfilled prophecy that he said, sure enough, it's going to come down. We're going to have to make a decision between our son and the Lions. <laughs> um, how difficult was that for him? Uh, probably less so from you because you moved here in high school, but for him especially. Yeah, he said it, it's, it feels weird. Um, because he has been a Lions fan for so long and he just, he just loves the Lions. Um, but of course family comes first and he wants his son to do well. And he would love to see his son in the Super Bowl. So it's a no brainer for who we root for, of course. Um, and we'll be sad if the lions win. Um, but you know, come Super Bowl Sunday, of course, 
if the Lions are in it, he's going to root for the Lions. He's yeah, going to be right back there. You've kind of already <laughs> gone through this, right? Because you're, you're a Spartan, aren't you? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, yeah. your son was a Wolverine. So how did, yeah. did those strategies in college uh, help you strategies right now in the pros? Um, it, it's <laughs> same thing that he's feeling, I think, I felt, because I was such a diehard Spartan fan and, you know, just if you're a Spartan fan, you do not like the Wolverines <laughs> um, and you you don't root for them ever. And so the first game, they you can continue to root for them when they're not playing each other. But then all of a sudden they play, play each other and it's it's a weird feeling. And the first time they did, I was in Spartan Stadium and I found myself, you know, clapping to the fight song and realized, wait, you're on the wrong side. <laughs> so, um, oh, yeah, I got over it pretty quick, though, because, again, it's your kid and you just want your kid to do well and their team to do well. And, you know, you meet these families and they become your family, your football family. And so you, you kind of your allegiance changes <laughs> during that time. And now now we learn that Jim Harbaugh is leaving Michigan and heading uh, to to the pros. I wonder what your what your thoughts are on that. And I and I really would like to know what it was like um having your son be the kicker at Michigan uh for those years and and just your your neighbors, coworkers, everywhere you go, people have got to be stopping and talking about the big games. Yeah, it's 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 a little surreal at times because you don't you know how hard it is just to get to the college level and even harder to get to the pros. Um, so it, it, it was very surreal. You get a little extra attention, which you're not used to, um, you know, at, at, you know, after a game, everyone at school congratulates you when there's a good game. And so that, that's pretty nice. Um, it is stressful. I think it's more stressful in the pros to watch your kid as a kicker than it was in high school. And he did well. And, we loved Coach Harbaugh, and, you know, just from the time meeting him, he always did what he said he was going to do, and um, and and I trusted everything that he said because of that. Mm. Um, Jake had a great college career, uh, him being part of it, and, the, you know, his, his son being another part of it with the special team. So um, we're sad to see him go. I, I kind of understand why he's doing it. You know, it's college is is rough as a coach with all the NCAA stuff and the recruiting and everything and he did what he said he was going to do and I guess he's moving on so I wish him the best yeah so much scrutiny for uh college coaches as we've just seen this Mm -hmm. past season for sure I'm curious about you know Jake's growing up years as a kicker and and who because my twin brother was a a place kicker and when he was young and he, he loved it and he used to be inspired by some of these NFL greats, you know, Jason Hansen, I'm sure, is one of Jake's favorites. But you look at, like, John Carney, Ralph Bernerska, even today's Justin Tucker. Who did Jake look to for inspiration? Do you know what that is? And, and how did he – how good um, was he in, like, in the Pop Warner years? Oh, uh, well, Jake loved Matt Prater. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. He was, the you know, the Lions kicker for mm-hmm. so long while Jake was growing up. So he loved Matt Prater. And um, as a – when he was at Michigan, I remember him getting to kick a few times with Prater, and he wow. thought that was just the best thing in the world. And when they played against him this year, um, they traded jerseys, and Matt had he he wrote a whole thing on the number. It was it was really nice, kind of brought tears to my eyes. <laughs> um, so he was always Jake's hero growing up, and Jake um, played soccer as a as a child. And um, when he was a, I think sixth grade, he decided he wanted to play football. 
um, not to be a kicker. He had no idea he could kick field goals at that time. Mm. Um, but he did have a strong leg in soccer. He always took the um, free kicks and the corner kicks and, the, and those things. Um, and then they had a tryout, I think it was, in at one of the practices. Just, hey, who wants to try and kick field goals? Well, at that age, nobody can kick field goals. But Jake comes up and starts kicking these field goals, which they thought, holy cow. <laughs> One of his coaches came up to me that practice and said, "You should. He's got a natural talent here. You should get him a kicking coach." Wow. Um, and he's like, I, "Where he is now, I could see him kicking in college." He said that when he was in sixth grade. So wow, that's I, cool. I found, yeah, I found a former high school kicker from Northville, um, and he helped Jake with um, just some fundamentals. And as Jake got older, you do the things like corn blue kicking for the rankings and you start going to college camps when you're in high school and those types of things. And it just, it just kept, you know, getting better. But I credit that first kicking coach that we had when he was young to kind of keep him on the right path. So he wasn't doing things the wrong way um, that we would have to correct. So that's, yeah, he that's just, really... it just was like a natural, it was a natural ability. It was kind of crazy. 